This is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231 as we kick off the Wednesday edition, hour number one. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features on the site are completely free, so do enjoy them for free at freetalklive.com. We start out with the AP reporting that conservative leaders voiced dismay today at news that Mary Cheney, the lesbian daughter of Dick Cheney, is pregnant. While a gay rights group said the vice president faces a life of sleepless, a lifetime of sleepless nights for serving in an administration that has opposed recognition of same-sex couples. Mary Cheney, who's 37, and her partner of 15 years, Heather Poe, who is 45, are expecting a baby in late spring, said a spokesperson for the vice, uh, vice president. Uh, and then the, uh, they claim that the vice president is in eager anticipation of their sixth grandchild. Mary Cheney was an aide to her father during the 2004 campaign and is now vice president for consumer advocacy at AOL. She and Poe moved from Colorado to Virginia a year ago to be closer to the Cheney family. Now, Family Pride, which advocates on behalf of gay and lesbian families, noted that Virginia last month became one of the 27 states with a constitutional amendment banning same-sex marriage. Family Pride executive director said, quote, unless they move to a handful of less restrictive states, Heather will never be able to have a relationship with her child, or excuse me, a legal relationship. Well, at least she can still have the kid. At least that hasn't been banned. Well, how could they stop them? Indeed. Some people would like to stop them, as we'll get to uh, the comments from the so-called conservatives here in a moment. The couple will, quote, quickly Busybodies. face the reality that no matter how loved their child will be, he or she will have this, uh, never have the same protections that other children born to heterosexual couples enjoy. Grandfather Cheney will no doubt face a lifetime of sleepless nights as he reflects on the irreparable harm that he and his administration have done to the millions of gay American and uh, American gay and lesbian parents and their children. What protections exactly uh, do you get if you're born to a heterosexual couple as a child? I don't understand that statement. Um, I guess that your mother or father, one your, one of your parents, could make decisions about the. Uh, family um, money mm -hmm. if the other person didn't make a will out or something they like died that. died unexpectedly. Yeah, died unexpectedly and didn't have a will. Everybody, get a will, make a will tonight. Problem solved. For years, Mary Cheney's openness about her sexual orientation had posed a dilemma for conservative activists who admire Dick Cheney's stance on many issues but consider homosexuality a sin. Janice Krause, for instance, of Concerned Women for America... They're concerned, Yeah, Mark. they're concerned. They're not busybodies. Described the pregnancy as unconscionable. Oh, dear God. It's very disappointing <laughs> that a celebrity couple like this would deliberately bring into the world a child that will never have a father, said Krauss. They are encouraging people who don't have the advantages that they have. Well, look, is it uh, such a bad idea for people who want to have children to have children, whether or not there's a father involved or a mother involved in the case of maybe two gay men? Is it really so bad? I mean, I, I, we just bought a uh, my, my girlfriend and I bought a used car from uh, from somebody recently. And as it turns out, it was a lesbian couple who mm -hmm. is taking care of one of the couple's child. Uh, the child's 11 years old. The household is very nice, very well kept, beautiful house out here in New Hampshire, and uh, just a, a nice couple of people. It, it seemed to me like it'd be a great environment to, to raise a kid, a kid in. Clearly, you don't know what you're talking about. It would be much better for this child to be raised by a 
beer swilling, trailer park living, married cu- married heterosexual couple than those awful lesbians that were keeping them in that uh, four two split level ranch. Yeah, you know that's uh, that's where I was going to go with it. I mean, would these people that call that this woman this uh, calling this unconscionable, this woman uh, Chrysler Jennifer Chrysler from Family Pride or whatever. Would she believe that uh, it was unconscionable to have a child to a tr- you know white trash family? I mean, is that unconscionable? I mean, is it is it really about the welfare of the kid or is it about having that nuclear family? Is it about having the mom, the dad, and the 2.4 kids and the dog and cat? You know, I mean, really, I I can't say exactly what what her uh, motivation is, but I have to agree to some small extent. I think that a child's better off being taken care of by a heterosexual family. I really do. I think that a mother and a father is that based on anything uh, anything more than what you believe? No. Okay. And um, I got the name wrong. It was Janice Krause of Concerned Women for America. I don't want to confuse her with uh, the the bad lady with the earlier name that I mentioned. So I mean, it's it's simply experience. That's what I'm used to. Um, right. And I think that uh, that's that's a good way to go. What if there was a study that was done of children raised by gay couples mm-hmm. that found that they are just as well adjusted as children raised by heterosexual couples, let's say of the same sort of income status, as far as, you know, let's not compare the trailer trash family to the semi-wealthy lesbian couple, let's compare the semi-wealthy lesbian couple to the semi-wealthy heterosexual couple. Let's look at their kids together, and if we could find out that indeed they are well-adjusted, would you take that back? Um, I just believe, you know, I just think that that's it better. I would not pass legislation, um, you know, concerning that. I think that... Uh, I think what's better... Is that kids are raised by parents that care. I agree. And it seems to me that it doesn't matter if it's uh, if it's two lesbians, if it's three dads, or whatever the situation is. As long as the parents really care about their kids, and they've made a conscious choice, as these women appear to have uh, have made. They've made a conscious choice to get into raising a child, as opposed to what most people do, which is, whoops! Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. It most does kids happen. are that way. Does happen, I'm afraid. Most pregnancies are oopsie. Anyway, let's continue. Uh, Krauss, the from the woman from Concerned Women for America, said there was no doubt that the news would, in conservatives' eyes, be damaging to the Bush administration, which has already been chided by some leaders on the right for uh, uh, some leaders on the right for what they felt was half-hearted commitment to anti-abortion, anti-gay rights causes in this year's general election. <laughs> Carrie Gordon Earl, a policy analyst for the conservative Christian ministry, Focus on the Family, expressed empathy for the Cheney family, but depicted the pregnancy as unwise. Quote, just because you can conceive a child outside a one-woman, one-man marriage doesn't mean it's a good idea. Love can't replace a mother and a father. Well, what I would like to know is why it's such a bad idea. If you can explain it to me, I'm interested in knowing what you think. At 800-259-9231, the packet 8 toll-free lines, 1-800-259-9231. Do you agree with this woman from Concerned Women for America or the Focus on the Family people? Why is this a bad thing? You know, here's what what seems the most uh, egregious... uh, lack of of thinking on these people's part you know where they're really just not focusing is i know that they would prefer to see um mothers and fathers married together you know living in uh you know households that uh you know don't drink don't smoke and 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 all that other good mm-hmm. stuff i know they think that's great but or that's the idea but it's the fact is they attack the gays they do first 
instead now, of the drunks. Well, the, the drunks, the smokers, or the um, let, let's look at the the biggest Abusers? violators. Would you rather have? Would you? Wouldn't Wouldn't you rather have a uh, child being taken care of by two lesbians rather than just one mom? I sure would. Two people in the twice house. Twice the income. Twice the income. There's twice the amount of people to be um, sitting and all that other stuff. And you know, there's. The fact is, there's a large percentage of, um, you know, the population born to unwed mothers in this, um, in the United States. Sure, but we're worried. Of, we're, you're worried. We're worried about the zebras, not the horses. <laughs> you know, the the um the you know the small percentage of children that are being adopted by lesbian and gay couples. Um, you know, two guys, committed relationship been together for a while they want to figure out how they're going to get a child that's got to be the hardest situation obviously a lesbian can always go get inseminated um sure most of them uh, a lot of them are are big into that uh uh, tubal ligation stuff and hysterectomies okay so they uh don't have the equipment anymore but um you know this is why are we worrying about this you know because they're gays we don't want want them gays around these here parts that's really the issue i think Yep. I think the issue is Bigotry. we don't like gays, so we're going to go after them on the um, you know yep. going to go. They've got an agenda. You've got, you've got nothing. They have nothing except this this concept of what they believe a family should look like. Right. They don't actually have any sort of evidence or even claims beyond that. Mm-hmm. They don't have any sort of evidence or studies that say that. Well, it's clear. I mean, they could make it up. I mean, maybe they do have some made up ones, but I've never seen them. That, uh, well, it's clear that it's bad for kids to have gay fathers and uh, a gay couple raising them. uh, Here's the statistics. But there aren't any statistics because people that are raised by gay couples appear to be fine. There don't appear to be any problems. They're well-adjusted, probably more so than if they were raised by a bunch of homophobes. More on the way. Your show. You take control. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control. 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features are completely free, so enjoy the archives, for instance. We've got an entire year's worth of the show right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience at freetalklive.com. If you have a child in your life, be they son, daughter, or sibling, give them financial literacy for Christmas. A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton teaches a child the basics of finance, money management, and real estate investment. It's a great stocking stuffer and will be shipped to you by Christmas. Check out A Kid's Journey to, um, a get, a Kid's Journey to Getting Rich, that's the name of the book, at akidsjourney.com. That's akidsjourney.com. You know, it's never too early to start teaching kids God, about that. You know, it looks like a really great book. I haven't gotten it in my hands Are yet. Are we going to get a, a review uh, copy? We're going to get a review copy. Okay, it great. will be in our hands, but it looks... It looks to me like a really great idea. I know idea. some adults that could probably use When this I was book. reading this website, I, all I could think of was little Ian and his thrifty, miserly <laughs> little self. I'm going to grow up to be a miser, and I'm going to have all this money. And it's really worked for you, I, I must say. you know. I'm looking forward to get, uh, learning more about that. Let's go to the phones to Marlon in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Marlon. Hello, Ian. Hey, what's Mark. on your mind? Oh, well, I just got turned on to y'all about two months ago, I guess I could say, and y'all are opening my eyes. Um, <laughs> I guess I can say I'm formally Republican now, being in Texas, but okay. um, I've got a good friend of mine who's who's a Democrat, been best friends for, for years, and and I was giving him some of the arguments today about the trans fat thing y'all were talking about last night, mm-hmm. and he goes, well, it's, if it's good good for the children, I'm like, oh, God. 
It's a cooking product. You know, I, the f- funny thing is, is I was today I was at a restaurant and I saw somebody buy a bag of chips, and I realized that bag of chips is something they could get away with, because now now when it came to New York, can you imagine New York City banning regular Lay's potato chips or Ruffles potato chips? That's when the people would storm City Hall demanding <laughs> the heads of politicians on sticks. They wouldn't have done it any time before that, but when you ban their potato chips, their Fritos, it's all over. Suddenly well, everything's changed. What's next? You know, saying grocery stores can't sell sell these products? Indeed. I mean, that's um, an excellent question is what is next because they never can take enough. They can never take enough money. They can never take enough freedom. They can never have – they never stop. There's always a next step. So your guess is as good as mine as far as what the next step is. I can certainly predict that the next step for America would be for more areas of the country to adopt these rules, and then somebody else will take whatever that next step is. It may not be New York City. California, so city in California might adopt these rules, and at the same time they might make a few more restrictions uh, apply to people. And it's just absolutely outrageous. And when you talk about the kids, you know what? What we should be doing for the children is ensuring that they have a future with liberty in it. That way they can be free to make their own decisions and run their businesses how they want when they get older. Right. He says, that's that's New York. Why are you worried about New York? I said, that trickles down. When I want greasy food, I want greasy food, dang it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, so. you know, what? so what did he um, What did it, how did it all come out later? And oh, he, he, he still didn't see my point of view. You know what you might and, want to do is, uh, does your friend like to read? Yes, he, he's a teacher, so. What, um, what I would suggest is that since you're kind of brand new to the whole libertarian movement, is that if you want to, I recommend you to check out uh, Healing Our World. It's an excellent book written by Dr. Mary Ruart. And, in fact, we link to it from our links page at freetalklive.com. There's an online version that's completely free. You don't even have to pay anything. You can read the 1990s version for free. But the reason I'm suggesting it is because it's an excellent, uh, very pro-liberty book that approaches the issues from more of a sort of caring perspective, kind of like uh, something that would really resonate with somebody like your friend. And she really just knocks them, uh, just knocks the issues right out of the water. And if, if you can somehow get that into your friend's hands... Uh, there'd be no way for him to really just deny the just the pure logic that's presented in it. It's, uh, okay, it's cool. excellent. It yeah, it's an excellent, very persuasive book. And uh, get in touch with us again. Let us know if you have any f- uh, future conversations with him. We appreciate hearing from you, man. Thanks. 800-259-9231. Nice to see we're having an effect. Now remember, if you're going to buy a book for somebody, make sure that they are interested in reading it in the first place. Don't just give somebody a book and say, here, I want you to read this. No. That's not a, that's not an appropriate approach. You know, you you can ask them as to, well, if I was to bring you this book, would you actually read it? Because you don't want to waste your money and you don't want to waste their time. So be careful with that sort of thing. I would um, you know, a lot of people will just say yes, and you really need to, you know, um make it clear to them that I'm putting my money out to buy a book that uh, I want you to read because I really think it's got some uh points that would be, you know, relevant to you in your life and some things that you'd be interested in and in, you know, reading and understanding. You know, on the other on the other hand, what might be better is if uh Marlin were to actually get the book for himself, read the book for himself because again, he said he came from some more of a Republican perspective. Mm-hmm. So that way he can read this book and sort of get an understanding for what liberals might be looking for as far as a potential uh persuasive point 
that, that you could make with them so he could learn all the points himself and then he could reference them in the next conversation that he has with his friend. And when his friend says, oh yeah, well where did you hear that the, the elephants in, uh, in that African country are actually going up in population? Well, I read it in this book. Oh, well, let me see that book. You know, that, in that case, then they're asking for it. So that might be That's another... That's a pretty good idea. Right, because it's just some of the uh, concepts that she puts forth just fly in the face of what a lot of uh, liberals have believed for their entire lives. Absolutely. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. And I love the story about the elephants in that book in that um, she points out... I like any story about elephants. Well, she points out that uh, there are certain African countries that have essentially legalized the possession of elephants as opposed to having them as a protected status, you know, where the government protects the right. animals, supposedly. The government's protecting these animals. You cannot go after them. Well, as it turns out, in the countries where the, go- the a- elephants are so-called protected... There's poachers that go in there because the elephants, again, it's like a black market product. They're mm-hmm. all of a sudden worth a lot more money. Right. And uh, the poachers go into the fields where the elephants are and kill the, uh, kill the elephants, take their, tu- take their tusks, etc. And in the countries where it's legal to own the elephants, the elephants are property of somebody. And you yep. better believe that when you threaten my property or when you threaten that person's property, they're going to fight you away from their property. Right. You know, I was at the uh, New York Zoo. There's a little zoo um in the central park a little tiny thing there they've got uh sea lions and okay. stuff like sea, seals and that kind of thing and um there was one of them and i don't remember what it was some species of something or other that was protected and you know i was just thinking that's a death sentence for those animals it's what it is it really it's an extinction sentence those animals are going to go extinct as a result of the fact that uh, the UN or whatever organization has decided that they need to be protected, whether it's, you know, some country, that kind of thing. You know, one thing you can be sure of is chickens are not going to go extinct. Chickens will never be extinct. Quite, n- neither will cows. Neither will cows. Goats, Horses, dogs, cats. Things that people want to buy and own. Mm-hmm. I mean, if... You know, that's if these animals are valuable, things that people are uh, are able to buy and right. own. People want to buy and own alligators. People want to buy and own tigers and lions right. and and bears. I mean, think about it for a second. Um, let's let's pick the the big boy, um, tigers. If you could own a tiger and breed them and then sell their fur or their fangs or whatever, I don't know, their penises or whatever it is that people want. Well, they do. People want them for fertility. Okay. Um, Those kind of things. If you could do that, then there'd be tiger farms. Well, we're going to talk about seagulls coming up here in a moment. What's going on with them? 800-259-9231. You won't believe what the federal government has been doing. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You take control. Bring up whatever you want. toll free. 800-259-9231. 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. That's 1-800-259-9231, known as the Packet 8 toll-free line. Uh, and register now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, February 23rd through the 25th of 2007. Meet libertarian superstars like John Stossel, Michael Badnarik, and many more. The most influential libertarians in America will be there. Get registered. Learn more at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That is freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. And join us on our website, at freetalklive.com. Get signed up for the updates at updates.freetalklive.com. Whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show, you'll know first if you're on the updates list. 
updates.freetalklive.com. So we were talking about protecting animals and uh, t- talking about how Dr. Mary Ruard in her excellent book, Healing Our World, points out that if you really want animals to be protected, if you really want to prevent endangered species from continuing to be endangered and possibly being becoming extinct, then you should turn them over to private property. You should allow people to buy and sell and trade in those animals. It's freedom that works. You know, people I've, protect their property. I love the idea that you could slap a law in place and make sure that all the bald eagles would never go away. I love bald eagles. I mm-hmm. want them to be able to fly free in their little habitats or wherever it is that they live. Um, but I'm sorry. They're valuable. People want bald eagle feathers. I'm sure there are people out there with more money than morals that want to eat fried bald eagle. Oh, my. I don't know why. probably are. I don't know why, but I know... I think it probably has to do with the fact that it's bad. Forbidden fruit, you know? Ooh, you're one of the few people in the world to eat a bald eagle. Not to mention that a bald eagle will... You know, I mean, it's an eagle, right? It's a bird of prey. It's going to kill livestock. And... There's somebody out there that says to themselves, wow, I keep losing chickens. This annoys me. That big eagle over there that's protected, if he went away somehow, I would be not losing chickens. Mm -hmm. Or there's somebody who says, hmm, I've got 40 acres of property that I really like to develop and turn into homes that people could live in and that I could make a whole bunch of money on. Yeah. But there's a bald eagle nest on it. Or a whatever nest. There's, right. Some this other happens nest. with all kinds of species. And I can't sell, I can't do anything with the property because there's a bald eagle nest yep. on there. Not everybody knows that there's a bald eagle nest on there. And if the bald eagle nest just went away, maybe if just the bald eagles went away, I'd be able to develop in a year or two. Sure. And none of these things would be an issue if it was just legal to own and trade bald eagles. Then anybody could have a bald eagle. You could have a bald eagle in your house if you wanted to. It's legal to raise and trade in raccoons. Mm -hmm. Is there a big market in it? I don't think there is. But But are they extinct? They aren't. But you see, the more rare they were, the more more that people would want to pay for their little fur or tails or whatever it is they buy from raccoons. I'm not sure. So when you create this law that's supposed to protect animals, the unintended consequence is that you're actually putting them in more danger. And so it's really important to understand this. Mm-hmm. 800-259-9231. But let's go to uh, BangerDailyNews.com and talk about birds. Specifically, I believe, these are pelicans? No. We'll find out here. Uh, it's a dead bird. But the government's still protecting them. <laughs> what? Uh, Camden restaurateur Joanna Tutone is grateful for the efforts of Senator Olympia Snow's office in resolving a legal problem that she faced with the Federal Department of Interior, she said Monday. Tutone, owner of Cappy's Chowder House, was surprised in October to find herself in conflict with a 1918 federal law that prohibited buying, selling, or possessing migratory birds. A summer visitor to the restaurant noticed the black-backed gull... So it was a gull. Okay. A black-backed gull stuffed and mounted under glass in the second-floor dining room. Uh Uh-huh. Tutone was dismayed when U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service officers threatened to seize the bird and reported that she could face a fine or even jail time. For what, you ask? For what? Did she catch the bird herself and stuff it and illegally put it under glass? I have a guess. 
She bought the restaurant 15 years ago, and the stuffed bird came with it. No, you're close. The news (laughs) was especially shocking because though she purchased the bird at an estate sale some 20 years earlier, the Victorian Objet d'Art had been created in 1854, well before the law went into effect. The day after... It's ex post facto. Well... (laughs) Still, the uh, Fed still wanted to shove their way on this. Sure, they did. The day after federal officers visited the restaurant... Ex facto doesn't count when our law has been in place that long. Well, we've got to protect dead dead carcasses, Mark. I mean, (laughs) Tutone contacted uh, Snow's office. Finally, after weeks of study and negotiation, Snow's office has brokered a deal by which Tutone will relinquish the bird to federal officials, who will in turn lend the bird to the Penobscot Marine Museum near Searsport. The bird arranged... So she loses the bird? Wait. Story's not over. The bird, arranged in an ornate, beveled glass frame so that its wings are splayed on either side of its long neck, will be turned over to the museum on Thursday. Then, in a bit of irony that might make a skeptic out of the most idealistic supporter of bureaucracy, the museum will be able to lend the bird to the restaurant for the summer. So yes, let's recap what happened. Some busybody customer at this restaurant reported Ms. Two-Tone... And where is she? Maine. Camden, okay, Maine. Summer. All right. I thought for for whatever reason I got the impression that she was down in Florida, and uh, being lent the goal for the summer isn't that great. Being lent the goal for the winter in Florida is better. Okay. So she's in Maine. Okay. Busybody customer comes in, yep. spots the bird, and for some reason knew of the 1918 federal law that prohibited buying, selling, or possessing migratory birds. And then called the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, ratted her out. Yeah. The officers are sent over, threatened to seize the bird. Then she calls the uh, elected bu- uh, elected official, Ms. Snow. They do weeks of research at who knows what taxpayer cost. Right. And who knows what taxpayer cost to send out the uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife agents to the restaurant. They then make it, they broker a deal to where the restaurateur gives up the bird to the feds. The feds give up the bird to a... A museum, and then the museum then agrees to lend the bird, apparently legally now, to the restaurant. So, what all was the point of this? For what exactly? Uh, oh, I guess the museum gets the uh, bird uh, half the year, mm-hmm. so they've essentially <laughs> stolen the bird. Now, is this a, a, a an extinct black backed gull? Don't even know. Can you imagine a gull going extinct? I mean, these are the these are the uh, the beach version of a sewer rat. Yeah. Uh, I just, I can't imagine, just because, what, the other gulls are better at uh, snatching potato chips out of unwary <laughs> tourists' hands? I, how? Why? A gull? The deal is prompted to tone to plan to host a seagull party to raise money for the museum with which she is impressed having visited it and met with its staff. Tutone <laughs> has tried to keep a sense of humor about her problems with the government, tempered by some anger and sadness, but she said she was satisfied by the final arrangement. Yeah, so they used, they lubed her up a little bit, and she managed to get something out of it after it was all said and done, but she ended up losing. She just didn't lose as much as she could have lost. Yeah, absolutely. In this case. The and, time, the money, and the energy. Right. Yeah. But uh, let's... let's for not, let's not forget, she got a great news story out of this. And That's true. And there's probably some people that are going to go see this blackback gull, um, you know. And At Cappy's cons- Chowder House. And consequently have some lobster bisque and, uh, yeah. you know, a bowl of uh, clam chowder or whatever it is that they're going to have. And uh, she's probably going to make some money in the long run. And she's going to make some money for the museum, which I'm sure is a really great organization, even though if, if they do take their dollars from coercion. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, it it's not terrible. 
it just go it just shows to go yeah just a waste of just a total waste of resources yeah. how of- is this gull hurting anybody i mean the gull wasn't even endangering other gulls nobody was in danger of uh, anything from this no, old 1854 it's 150 years old 50 years it's not endangering crap I don't know. So well, there's no chance that the, the gull's even extinct. Um, it's just a migratory bird. Yeah. You're just not allowed to traffic. The The law, again, is a 1918 federal law that prohibits buying, selling, or possessing migratory birds. So she was violating the third portion. So you Possession. Can't, you can't have a Canadian goose? If it's a migratory bird, you cannot possess. Good you lord, those buy. things are pests. You cannot sell. 800-259-9231, because those politicians know what's best, Mark. And speaking of wastes of taxpayer dollars... We've got yet another story about two very, very young people having a little sexual time with one another and both of them being brought up on charges. We'll tell you about it coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231, the packet8.net toll-free line. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so be sure you help support the show by buying some stuff at amazon.freetalklive.com. You know Amazon. They're the world's largest Internet retailer. If they don't sell it at Amazon, I'd be shocked. Whatever it is you're looking for. I mean, really, if it's a product that's on the market today, they probably sell it. Uh, Whether it's electronics, DVDs, books, office products, uh, you name it, groceries. That's one of their newest sections at Amazon. Um, they've got baby stuff, accessories, clothing. It's all there. Ladies, men's stuff. Amazon.freetalklive.com is a place to go. Now, the reason why, besides the fact that it's great service, great products, great deals, and uh, great shipping deals as well, but the extra reason to shop at Amazon.freetalklive.com is that a percentage of your purchase will go to benefit Free Talk Live. So, do your holiday shopping at Amazon.freetalklive.com. Do your regular shopping. Get groceries. Mm-hmm. Get uh, bathroom products. I just bought my uh, my Christmas gift for my wife uh, on Amazon, um, and it was fast and easy. Right. Buy your drugs at Amazon.freetalklive.com, like uh, dextromethorphan hydrobromide. We're going to be talking about that coming up tonight. You can buy that here. There's a news story about that. Uh, some kids have died, etc. But first, talking about kids, we're going to Salt, uh, Salt Lake City. Now, this is interesting, Mark, because just this past weekend, we happened to mention a case just like this. It's not the same case, Mm -hmm. but here we go again. Utah Supreme Court justices acknowledged Tuesday that they were struggling to wrap their minds around the concept that a 13-year-old girl could be both an offender and a victim for the same act. In this case, having consensual sex with her 12-year-old boyfriend. The Ogden, Utah girl was put in this odd position because she was found guilty of violating a state law that prohibits sex with someone under the age of 14. She also was the victim in the case against her boyfriend, who was found guilty of the same violation by engaging in sexual activity with her. The Associate Chief Justice Michael Wilkins noted, quote, The only thing that comes close to this is dueling, in that two people who take 20 paces and then shoot could be considered both victim and offender. However, in that case, it's also consensual, because when you're dueling, it's a consensual act between two parties. So there shouldn't be a victim or an offender in a duel either. Dueling shouldn't be illegal. I'll tell you, 
You don't see many duels anymore, and uh, I've got to say that that's probably a good thing. I agree. But um, if you wanted to have a duel, you should be able to have one. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you. I would agree with you in principle, but, uh, you know, outlawing dueling seems to have worked. <laughs> I don't... I don't want to get on the side of uh, dueling, but when it comes to a 13, this is terrible. This is awful. A 13-year-old girl and a 12-year-old boy. These two kids are going to go through their lives as sex offenders. Mm -hmm. Not just sex offenders, but the worst kind of sex offender. The kind of sex offender that is, you know, molests little kids. Can you imagine uh, getting this sex offense on your rap sheet, and then when you're 23 or 25 years old trying to go out and get a job after college or something like that? Uh, It says here you were convicted of uh, touching a a 13-year-old girl, sir. Well, I was... Twelve at the time. I was, but I was twelve. <laughs> but the thing is, is you know that sounds that's funny and it sounds great and it sounds like you could talk your way out of it. But that kid will never get the chance. He'll never, you know, no employer is going to sit across the desk from you, um, having gotten all your information in front of them, mm-hmm. um, and then say, hmm, says here you're a sex offender and it looks like you touched a thirteen year old. Yeah, never, they're not going to give you the, the chance. You'll never to have yourself. the opportunity to even explain it unless you come right out and say that this is what happened. And then I, I don't know. It's not a, it's, it's a not mess. an enviable position to be in. Well, Chief Justice uh, Christine Durham wondered if the state legislature had intended the peculiar consequence that a child would have the simultaneous status of a protected person and an alleged perpetrator under the law. I don't think that any of the legislators that voted on this, if they thought about it at all, did not... They didn't... The the spirit of the law in this case is for adults that have sex with young children um, should be charged for that. And, you know, only in Utah could this crap happen. I mean, it's... This is almost like reading a... I don't know. The last one happened in Kentucky, I think. Anyway, the comments came in oral arguments on a motion asking the high court to overturn the finding of delinquency, the legal term in juvenile court for a conviction against Z.C., who became pregnant after she and her boyfriend engaged in sex in October 2003. She's 13, apparently old enough. Hokey smokes, she's a fertile little thing. State authorities filed uh, delinquency petitions in July 2004, alleging that each had committed sexual abuse of a child. A second-degree felony if committed by an adult. The girl appealed the petition, saying her constitutional right to be treated equally under the law had been violated. Her motion noted that for juveniles who are 16 and 17, having sex with others in their own age group doesn't qualify as a crime. Juveniles who are 14 or 15 and have sex with their peers can be charged with unlawful conduct with a minor, but the law provides for mitigation when the age difference is less than four years, making the offense a misdemeanor. However... For adolescents under 14, there are no exceptions or mitigation, and they are never considered capable of consenting to sex. See, the law doesn't think that teenagers, or in this case, these aren't even, I mean, one of them was a teenager, the other one was a 12-year-old, the the boy was. The law does not believe that children can consent to sex, but it's clear that these two individuals consented to whatever it was they did with one another. So it would appear. Um, The law needs to to look at that pretty Thoroughly, I, I mean, I, I don't know. What, what, what the heck? These kids are going to end up with sex charges. The Utah Court of Appeals last December upheld the judge's refusal to dismiss the allegation, saying the law's rigorous protections for younger minors include protecting them from each other. ZC then appealed to the state Supreme Court. At Tuesday's arguments, Matthew Bates, an assistant Utah attorney general, argued the prosecution of the girl was not unreasonable. 
He said the statute in question is designed to prevent sex with children who are 13 and younger, even if the other person is in the same age group. What? And I said this to you during one of the breaks, Mark. I mean, maybe the kids just missed the news article about the Kentucky kids that got in trouble for this. I mean, clearly the law, according to this uh, assistant attorney general, is designed to prevent sex with children who are 13 or younger. I mean, they constructed this law with the express intent in mind that kids would not have sex with kids, and clearly they just haven't gotten the word out enough. We need a, we need an ad campaign on television. We need a multi-million dollar ad campaign to run during Saturday morning cartoons. A kids. puppet that goes around to like the elementary schools and yeah. informs them all hi it's officer handy you don't want to end up in jail do you <laughs> oh my god this dude what's his name uh, matthew time. bates he's a really really sick individual i mean he's messed up in the head i don't understand what the heck he's talking about this law was designed for this, the, the, here's the a little, little boy is 12 years old. But by he, passing the law, legislators were sending a message, says Bates. To who? The message was <laughs> sex with or among children is unacceptable. God. Now, when was the law passed? Uh, what do you think? <laughs> Last year, when he was 11? Or maybe a decade ago, when he was just a glimmer in his mother's eye? <laughs> this is so dumb. Well, at what point are we going to start pre presenting children... Again, ignorance of the law is no excuse. And since apparently kids, it's not. Since this law was designed, apparently, with the intention of communicating to children how bad it is for them to have sex with one another, why haven't the kids been presented with a tome full of laws for them to start reading at age five? Yeah, they... I mean, that's the reason we're sending them to school, isn't it? So that they can study all these important laws. That's that why the, they're supposed the to be politicians. The politicians, our, our betters, the politicians have passed for us. Can you believe this? No, I, I'm really, I'm stupefied that this guy could be so sick. I can't see, I can't say he's stupid because... He must not be. He made it through law school. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's just so twisted he's the up. Assistant Attorney General. In his little world, that he believes that these kids should know the law. This is what you get, kids, for not paying attention in law class in fourth grade. Oh, wait, there is no such thing. I took a law class when I was in 11th grade, and all that was about was about how uh, the courtroom situation works. You've got a, a prosecuting attorney and a defense attorney and the judge and the jury, and they, there's 12 seats. And, you know, all the kind of right. details about how a courtroom works. They didn't actually review any laws in law class, or very, very few if they did. So how are you supposed to communicate this to 12- and 13-year-olds? How are they supposed to come into the knowledge that they're not allowed to experiment with one another? I mean, who, when they were, for instance, uh, who, when they were under the age of 13, didn't play doctor at some point, right? You know, it could have really happened to me. I mean, I, it, I, it didn't happen to me, but it really could have. I, I, I don't know. This is just, it's baffling. Baffling. Apparently. Did the politicians, the ones that voted on this, did this? Did they not play doctor? Did they not <laughs> have oper? Like I, I don't want to get too explicit, but I mean, did they not have things, like, sexual things that happened to them underneath the age of thirteen? And if they did, were they so ashamed of them that they wanted to take other children and put them in jail or or whatever it yeah, is? Yeah, who that knows? What, for them? I don't know what the punishment is here for these kids, but whatever it is, it's unacceptable and it's outrageous. 800-259-9231. Do you think the uh, state of Utah is doing the right thing here in persecuting these children, prosecuting them? 
800-259-9231. Coming up, dextromethorphan hydrobromide. Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and we're kicking off our number two of the Wednesday edition. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231, thepacket8.net, toll-free lines. That's 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features. It's all for free. Unlike those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for access to their websites. We've got more, and we give it away. FreeTalkLive.com. Let's go to the phones to the fun to start things out here. Let's go to Charlie in New Mexico. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. How's it going tonight? Great. You're on the amplifier line, Charlie. What's on your mind? Uh, well, I wanted to talk about the North American Union. Okay. It's uh, something that comes up about once we come to Free Talk Live, so I figured I'd bring a different slant to it than what uh, people usually bring up. Okay. Well, let, um, let me just recap what people normally say. Uh, usually okay. we get people calling in uh, saying, did you know that there's work uh, people are working on creating a North American Union between... There's a, there's a highway that's going to be built between Mexico through Texas, all the but way up to Mississippi. But it's more than that, Mark. They want to introduce the Amero. It's a, it's going to be like the Euro, essentially, for America, uh, the United States, rather, Canada, and Mexico. And, and, uh, and if it's true, I don't like this crap at all. Yeah. I mean, it sounds really bad. There's some evidence that smacks shows... smacks of, of some kind of weird conspiracy at it does the same have that, time. It does have that conspiracy tinge to it, but on the other hand, Ron, Ron Paul has, talked a, about it. has acknowledged it. Um, the SPP, this sort of government, quasi-government yeah. bureaucracy, is actually mm-hmm. real. So with that said... It does seem like there may actually be some sort of a plan for a North American Union. What's your take on it? Uh, yeah, everything I see is that it's not just some whispered conspiracy theory, but something that some people are actually trying to put to use. And I think that not everything about it is necessarily bad and conspiratorial. For instance, uh, if it's going to be like the European Union, then that decreased trade barriers between countries. So where you, in essence, had a bunch of little governments that all had barriers of trade between each other, this union decreased a lot of those barriers. Right. I saw that as a good thing. But, um, it, but uh, hold on just a second. Um, can, I, can I rebut okay. that point before you go any farther? No, Mark, you can't rebut that point. <laughs> the, um, the thing, the thing that, uh, that happened in Europe, though, is that it took reams and reams and reams of paper to make a free um, zone where they could trade amongst themselves. And that was and, what... And I, and I realized that that's just kind of retarded, yeah. but at the same time, it did... But that's sort of what NAFTA and CAFTA was supposed to do for us, too. One but, but NAFTA and CAFTA okay. was supposed to do that for us, too. I, I see what you're saying here, in that that might have been a good thing in regards to the European Union, but it's a bad idea to centralize power even more, even though you might be able to pr- uh, point out one possible benefit. You have to agree that it is a, a terrible idea to centralize power. Certainly, but we talk about the, on this show all the time about how nations are just invisible lines drawn in the sand. Mm-hmm. And what unions such as this do, especially when you study how they're supposed to be as opposed to what they end up being in real life, they, in essence, erase those invisible lines and, uh, and just draw those lines out further. And I really do see that as a good thing. Well, I don't um, think they, they are erasing anything. I disagree because... currencies ...and replaced it with one. It opened up labor markets uh, and by decreasing these 
invisible lines in the sand so people could travel and work where they wanted to within the EU. I would want that. I would absolutely want that. that. But if what you end up with is a legislative body that represents... Um, the whole and and I think that that's what people are scared of happening is that the legislative right. body will um, will exist that that runs the whole of the let's talk about the European Union because that did happen. How do mm-hmm. um, how do, does that legislative body that meets in say Geneva represent the people of Romania and the people of Belgrade in um, Ireland? How does it represent them both equally? Yeah, you know I don't know how it does that. And it it doesn't. doesn't. It doesn't. It's a bad <laughs> idea. Doesn't. And in fact, what I'd like to do is invite some of our European listeners to call in on this and comment as to how they feel about the European Union. Because from everybody that I've heard from, they don't like it. Uh, they feel as though it was foisted up upon them. They feel as though it's destroyed uh, whatever sovereignty that they have. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they are anti-European Union. It's just that the governments demanded it. These government bureaucrats put it together. And what could they do about it? It was foisted upon them. And recently they have rejected some of the things that the European Union has tried to throw on their backs, like the EU constitution. That was just a load of elitist garbage. Yeah. Um, Wait, that was rejected? It was. On this, down the North American Union, is in a perfect world, it would take the lessons learned from the European Union and apply it more in where the global trade ideal of decreasing barriers to trade and to immigration and to economies I think you're taking you're, you're putting a, a long leap of faith by saying that politicians are going to do the right yeah. thing and that they're going to get themselves out of trade and that they're I, I would agree with you all those things would be wonderful I don't think that that's likely to happen those things um, decreasing barriers decreasing trade restrictions all those things will happen when we get government out of trade period creating bigger oh, governments yeah, creating right. a bigger no, government no is not going to be it. the solution here I mean just to take your uh, your idea here to its asinine extreme, if you think it's a good idea to have a North American Union, then you must think it's a good idea to have a world union. Let's just get all the all the countries in the world together and have a nice big world government. That way we can drop all the, the borders and have no more trade restrictions and we'll just have one big happy government. Wouldn't that be nice? Well, if, if countries are just lines drawn, invisible lines drawn in the sand, then what other type of solution would there be to getting rid of those invisible lines? But that's not a solution. It's not just about, Charlie, it's not just about getting rid of lines in the sand, because then you've you've created a big government that's bigger than any government that has ever existed in the past. And then it won't matter if the lines aren't there, because the big government will still be there. And even though you and I might agree that these governments are really just a group of, you know, groups of violent people that want to uh, foist their way on others, the Mm -hmm. fact is they're going to be there uh, if enforcing them themselves over all kinds of people and then they're going to be even less accountable as governments get bigger as governments become more federalized as you know you've got the state local governments are the most accountable but even they are somewhat uh tyrannical in some instances state governments less accountable federal governments less accountable government either especially governments on top of government on top of so how can you possibly support an american union idea how can you possibly even support that by outrightly rejecting it we remove the possibility of coming up with solutions that involve that that may actually be beneficial and good ideas. There is no benefit. There's I'm, nothing I'm, long term that's going to be beneficial about creating a bigger government. There's nothing. But the, no, there's there's not anything beneficial about creating a bigger government. That's what you're talking about. And not exactly what he's saying. That's not no. That's exactly Mark. And I'm definitely more of a Mark libertarian than an Ian libertarian mm-hmm. anyway. 
what, um, what he's saying, uh, if, if let me paraphrase real quickly. What he's saying is, is he'd like to see the bar- the trade barriers between Mexico, Canada, and the United States dropped. So would I. But I don't think a bigger government isn't the, isn't that, the way wait, to wait, solve wait, wait, that wait, problem. Did, did I say that I wanted to create a bigger government? An American union is a bigger government. In all likelihood, if you let bureaucrats set up the. Um, dropping of these trade barriers between Mexico, the United States, and Canada, you will somehow end up with a huge bureaucracy, at the very least a huge bureaucracy that oversees it. And it's likely they'll just rewrite the trade barrier. There's no getting around that. That, Sure. There's that, too. That's what they did with NAFTA, and that's what they did with CAFTA. There's just no reason to support this at all. I I like the idea of NAFTA. It didn't work out very well. To me, I think the North American Union is taking the rewriting of those laws and... Kind of dropping the rules down. A no, bit and it's not going to work that way, my man. Too. It's not going to work so that way because these are politically motivated bureaucrats who are motivated by politics, meaning that they want to reward their friends and punish their enemies at the cost of all the taxpayers. And it's never going to work out the way you want it to. It's going to work out the way they want it to. And it does not take bureaucrats to create free trade. Free trade exists when the bureaucrats are gone. That's why you can't support an American union, nor can you support a European union, nor can you support a world government. If anything, you should support decentralization and the abolishment of the federal government. I can't argue with that, Ian. But if we had a constitutionally sized federal government, then I would like to think that they would get us involved in trade and labor trade situations. That would be, in essence, what the European Union is. That would be t- if we had a constitution. Wait a minute. If we had a constitutionally, if we had a constitutionally sized government, the government shouldn't be involved in trade at all. You don't need the government to get involved in trade to have freedom of trade. It is free when the government's not around. Charlie, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the toll free packet eight line. You don't get more freedom of trade by advocating more rules. And that's what you're going to get with an American union. More rules. More rules. And that's what's going to happen every single time. Even though you want to make um, trade more fair, you're going to get more rules that restrict it. Maybe they would make it more fair between America and Mexico. But what about South America? And what about the rest of the world? Make it more restrictive for them. More on the way. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231. And you can bring up whatever's on your mind. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can also join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features there are completely free, live streams included. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both of them waiting for you for free at freetalklive.com. And you need to know that Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project's first 1,000 pledge Look, are you going to just talk about freedom, or are you going to start living it now? Learn how the first 1,000 pledge can make it happen today at freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org, and time is running out on this whole first 1,000 pledge. The pledge period ends at the end of this month, so if you've been considering signing, you should go and sign. If you think that it's even possible for you to make it to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project by the end of 2008, get over to freestateproject.org. And sign the first one. Yeah, this has to succeed. So, that's that. And uh, we go to the phones. Let's talk to Dana in Ohio. You're on Free Talk Live with Dana Mark, listening on WAIS on cable. Yeah, I just had a brief comment about um, the American Union you're Mm -hmm. talking about. Mm -hmm. It's already here. You know, I live in Ohio, and we're kind of sheltered as far as illegal aliens. 
but I worked at Walmart, and everything that's coming in there now is bilingual. You know, can of green beans well, and one side's English oh, and the other Hold on. Now, that doesn't mean that there's an American union. That just means that there's a company that wants to make it so people can read their labels. There's nothing wrong with that. Do uh, you know how many Mexicans we have where I live? And I live in hillbilly heaven, USA. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they probably it's probably better where you are than it is where they were, so they want to come live there. Wait, wait. Are you saying there are a lot of Mexicans or that there aren't? No, there aren't. Okay. Well, the, there the, aren't. There they don't be. make, I, I, just so you know, I mean, as far as the manufacturing business is concerned, they don't change the labels because they're going to sell them in, uh, in Ohio where there aren't as many Mexicans. If they're, you know, they're running labels through the printer, they want to save as much money as they possibly can, so they just print out whatever label they think is most appropriate for the mass population of America. So what does that say about Walmart? It says they're trying to satisfy their customers? No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Do you are you are you offended when you see French? What about French? Some products have French, Spanish, and English on them. I mean, does that offend you too? Wee oui, wee. Oui. No, no, that doesn't. That wouldn't. Why? You know, I I don't know. But if I see French, then I really will. But what if it's French? Breaking. What if it's all three? What if it's all three languages? French, Spanish, and English. Well, it it would have to be for the American Union. What? Oh, you mean for the uh, for, the, for the Canada thing? Well, most yeah. Canadians uh, speak English as well. No, well, the, the, I know they do, and the I know Quebecers are definitely going to want that. Right. I think what you're I think you're just a little confused in that uh, this means nothing more than the fact that Walmart just wants to satisfy its customers, and it knows that its customers are both um, Spanish speaking and English speaking. You know, when, I don't get offended. Sometimes at all. You, there's a store in my town um, that I used to go to that would sell uh, European goods. They would uh, bring stuff over, um, actual you know brand names from Europe, and mm-hmm. I, I would go in there sometimes to get uh, chocolates or sausages. And there's all kinds of products there that aren't even written in English at all. Do you think we should oh. allow them in the country? Oh yeah, sure. You know, but it's just the Spanish stuff, is- huh? Excuse me? It's just the Spanish stuff? No, no, because I live really close to Columbus, Ohio, okay? Uh-huh. There's specialty markets. You know, right. there's Greek markets, there's German markets, you know, I suppose there's well, Mexican markets, Spanish markets. There, there are, and what I'm thinking is is that um, there's such a large portion of the population that speaks Spanish, be them Cuban or Mexican or South American or whatever they are, that Walmart wants to appeal to such a large segment um, that they're willing to go ahead and print some stuff in Spanish. Now, the people that are buying things for the home may not be people that are going out in the workplace. Like maybe the, you know the grandma who's just not going to learn English. I'm sorry. Um, she she goes out and she does the shopping and she needs to have it in Spanish or she's not going to buy that can of green beans. She's going to buy the one that has the Spanish written on it. So then they're losing a sale if they just write it in English. Um, you know, I, I don't have a problem with it. Any other thoughts for us? I don't have any more thoughts now. Dana, that's, thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. You know the other solution. I mean, if you don't want to, if you don't want to have products on the shelf that are bilingual, and you've got a fairly large shopping, uh, you, you've got people shopping at your store that are bilingual or that are that only speak uh, Spanish, for instance, then you're going to have translators walking around with your customers, and that's going to be really expensive. That's very expensive. It's just the cheapest way to do it. Is you just print part of the label with Spanish on it. I've never seen a label in America that has Spanish as the primary uh, or most pronounced language, as far as the biggest letters or anything like Goya. that. Goya. Um, the ones that market themselves basically are in the uh, the market. Goya products have uh, have English lettering. And both, well, so do uh, 
Spanish lettering is English lettering. There, it's the same uh, English language. words on there. Thank they you. have some, but uh, you'll if you go to like the Mexican markets and that kind mm-hmm. of thing, you'll find the Goya that is written. They're the Mexican same. brands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I love their soda. They're good. They make good soda. They, uh, the I think it's interesting. Brew. Ginger brew is the best stuff. It's uh, oh no, it, get the Jamaican ginger brew. That's what it is. The Jamaican ginger brew from Goya. Oh no, I didn't know the Goya had one. There they do, and it's another, awesome. Another one that I've had that uh, is uh, ginger brew, and it's really good. It, that Goya ginger. It's a lot brew? of flavor, a lot more than uh, Canada Dry or something like that. Oh yeah, oh Canada Canada Dry isn't ginger brew. No. That's ginger ale. It's, See, there's two categories of yeah. ginger uh, carbonated beverages. There's ginger ale, which is kind of the wimpy mama's boy stuff, uh-huh. and then there's ginger brew. That's where uh, the Goyaf one, for instance, you take a sip of that. If you allow the uh, the fumes, if you will, to travel <laughs> the effervescence, up, right, the effervescence to travel up the back of your throat into your nose, you'll call, you'll hack, you'll cough, and it's so uh, so intense. That's a, that's a sign of a good ginger brew. And they have uh, flavors like the the pineapple, coconut uh, right. flavored soda, and that kind of thing. And it's it's interesting to try something new. But you know, when I really want a soda, I really just want a Coke. 1-800-259-9231. You take control of the airways to the phones we go. Let's talk to Josh in Kentucky on the amplifier line. Josh, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. Hey, what's hey. on your mind? Uh, I had a comment about uh, the 12-year-old and the 13-year-old having sex. Yeah, in Utah, as we told last hour, they've been both uh, charged with a crime. They're both uh, somehow simultaneously victims and perpetrators at the same time. Yeah, I was just wondering, why is it uh, that governments are always trying to restrict human nature? Do you do you know why? They like, they you know, they believe it is in uh, the children's best interest to pass a law that prevents them from having sex, which of course doesn't prevent them from having sex. It just punishes some of them after exactly. the fact. What, now, I, mean, I, I would say that murder anyway. is is human nature, um, and the government and I would want a government to limit that. I would think that any government that went into place, be it. Uh, Human nature to murder? Absolutely. Oh, come on. What? Look, man. Well, I mean, the law is not going to stop somebody from murdering somebody. No, it's not. And uh, the law didn't stop these two kids from doing whatever it is that they did. Well, they had intercourse. She got pregnant. Yeah. Well, could have been a turkey baster. You never know. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> so, uh, so well, what do you think the appropriate just, thing to do in this case is, Josh? Uh, just let them go at it. Let them go at it I mean, and just make babies? I mean, is that okay? Well, I mean, they should, uh, you know, be prepared. The kid should have had a condom, and she should be on birth control. But the parents needed to know. I mean, that's probably. But the parents are going to figure it out once she comes up pregnant, anyway. It's not the government's yeah. job to uh, to let the parents know. Yeah, I agree with you. The government should stay out of it completely and let this yeah. be a family problem that the family resolves on their own. Of course, can you imagine? I mean, mothers. Even thinking to give their daughters birth control at 13? I don't think most moms would even consider something like that. It seems crazy to me. Josh, thanks for the call. We appreciate it, man. 800-259-9231. Of course, then again, if you actually had an honest, open relationship with your kids, you might be able to talk about these sort of sexual matters at an early age to where they wouldn't make such stupid decisions. Or on the way, your show, you take control. Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. 
toll-free, 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. There's a bulletin board system there and lots of stuff to talk about. There's 140,000 posts, over 1,300 people interacting. They're at bbs.freetalklive.com. So enjoy it. It's free, like all of the other features on our website at freetalklive.com. Is there a little person that's important to you this Christmas? Give them financial literacy. Uh, A Kid's Journey, A Guide to Getting Rich by Jewel Thornton, shows kids how to grow up financially free, save early and often, and how to develop passive income streams, the key to financial freedom. It's a great stocking stuffer and will be shipped to you by Christmas. Check out A Kid's Journey to Getting Rich at akidsjourney.com. That's akidsjourney.com. I'm really looking forward to having you read this because you need it. Um, you have your wife take care of your finances for you. You can't save. You're like a little. You are like a little child uh, when it comes to your money. I don't. I disagree that I can't save. I've, uh, you know, I mean, I've bought homes and made a lot of money on them. Um, you know, I, I had problems with a business. I did file bankruptcy, but uh, you know, I, I walked away from it. I bet you're going to learn a thing or two well. from this book. I think I think we could probably all learn something from these books. But, Indeed. Uh, um, I think that uh, it's probably aimed at children and probably will work best for them. 1-800-259-9231 to the phones. To the fun, Rob in Georgia on the Amplifier line. Hello, Rob. Hey, how's it going? Great. What's on your mind? Well, I just, uh, well hey, first I want to thank you for the, the dial-up stream. It works very well over a mobile phone connection in the middle of the country in Alabama. Cool. Really? Oh, that's excellent. Yes, it does. Um, the other thing, uh, just uh, just quick, uh, I really do enjoy ginger beer. That's one of my favorite things. My wife always cringes every time she gets it for me because, it, you know, it has, it's very hot. Oh, yeah. It's so, intense. Yeah, that, that, yeah, it, but What's it, your favorite? So do you have different. a favorite brand? I do not have a favorite brand yet. I've just now discovered it actually over the last three or four months. Mm. So I've been trying different ones. I don't know where to get them. I mean, they're they're hard to find. It's hard to find a good ginger brew. Yeah, well, there's a farmer's market not too far in DeKalb County, which it caters to an international crowd, so they get a lot of stuff from all over. And they have I see. probably 10 different ginger beers. It's not a... Uh... You know, it's not a product that I get very often, but now and then, I, you know, you know me, Mark. It's not something I would want to drink every uh, right. several times a day. You know me, Mark. I'm a oh. water guy. I drink water all the time. Mm-hmm. But every you know four to six months, I'll uh, go ahead and spot a ginger beer and say, eh, I haven't had one in a while, and uh, and get one because they are so tasty. So what else was on your mind, Rob? Well, just talking about this American Union stuff and also kind of touching on the European Union you can always tell that this thing is just really a grab for power because note exactly the sort of thing they're talking about. They're talking about creating this free trade zone. What's the most visible thing that came out of the European Union? It was the euro, a common unit of currency. Right. But the Europeans used to already have that. It was called gold. Hmm. Every, every different European currency was just a weight of gold. So that's, that was a massive free trade zone. They got rid of that to expand power, and now they're trying to bring this back this sort of cloak that we're going to, you know, have free trade again and stuff in order to expand power further. They're not doing it by 
implementing a gold standard, which would be a way to ensure free trade, but it would also be a way to lessen their control. I would agree with you. I, w- I would love to see gold, um, you know, us going back to a gold standard. But are you trying to, are you telling me, and it seems, it seems a little odd to me, it's hard for me to imagine, that Europe was on a gold standard as little as five or six years ago? No, 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 not five or six years ago. What I'm saying is that well, that's when the euro the came around. Standard. Oh, I yes. see. Uh, they, they went off of a gold standard something like 70 years ago. Okay. I mean, because every country had a gold standard, so each, all of the individual currencies were just different weights of gold. That's why the dollar and the pound traded at fixed rates for, like, you know, hundreds of years, because mm-hmm. they were just based on gold. That's just like, you know, it's just like an algebraic equation. If you change the value on one end, you just increase the value on the other. Right. Right. That makes sense. So that would be what we want to push for, is to get back to a gold standard, not to have a, uh, a big overarching uh, currency. Absolutely. The government is always looking to expand power. And that kind of touches on something that one of your colleagues called in a few days ago, and it kind of bugged me. He was talking about these uh, underage pictures and how, you know, it'll be 16 years old now, it'll push to 15 years old, then it'll become 14, and where do you stop? And he was, you know, proposing that there be laws against this sort of thing. And one of the things, to me, that is patent nonsense, simply because when have we ever seen that occur when it comes to normal human societies? What has happened to the age of consent or the age of marriage as prosperity has gone up? Even absent any sort of government interference, those ages tend to increase as people's prosperity increases. The only place where we start seeing that sort of rapidly encroaching power is with the organization which specializes in rapidly encroaching its power, which is the government. So wait a minute, let me see if I understand what you're saying. You're saying that as society advances, the age of consent also rises? No, no, um, what he's saying is is that... Well, let him say. Well, the age in which people normally begin having these sort of relationships tends to rise as prosperity increases because daughters are no longer a means by which people can pool wealth, which is only being made by males. It becomes something which is spread much more widely and and many more options become available for people. So you're saying that I, I'm still trying to get a wrap around, a wrap, around my, wrap my head around this. You're saying that as society advances, people don't get married uh, as early as they used to. That's, yeah, that's typically. Dude, the now, case. do you I think mean, that may have to do with the fact that uh, you know we now have this sort of adult children mentality in America, where essentially we're sending kids off to go to school at these government schools, where they're essentially being dumbed down and they're not really allowed to even enter society until they're 23. Oh yeah. Yeah, and, and we, talk, we talked about that, and, and that is definitely an element. I think that you have two different things which are, which are at work here. You have, on the one hand, as prosperity increases, some of these ages will tend to rise. The government interference, I believe, has pushed it past the point where, where, they are, where normal human institutions would have kind of settled. So where it naturally, so, so it may naturally, if the government hadn't interfered, maybe that age would be right around 16 right now, but instead it's up at around 23 or 24. I think it wouldn't be as low as 16. I, I, think, I think that without government, with kind of naturally expanding prosperity, people would probably be looking to start families when they're 21, 22, something like that. And, uh, well, I was saying 16 as far as I was saying 16 as far as getting out of school, not necessarily starting a family. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, but, but so I think both of those things tend to push those ages up. But definitely, prosperity has it definitely has an impact on that. I see no reason to believe because. He's talking about the sexualization of teenagers, but, sex, but teenagers have been sexualized for a very long time. One of my favorite novels is Cervantes' Don Quixote, 
And in it, his, the, the primary, the main character, um, Don Quixote, is a 50-something-year-old man, and he's talking about how 15 or 14 or 15-year-old girls fawn over him, but the 14 or 15-year-old girls are sexually desirable at that time. Hmm. Well, so I mean, there's so there's no there's no and, yeah there's and never been a there, there's never been a a shortage of horny old men that's for darn sure. Well, what about um, Romeo and Juliet? Weren't they fourteen and fifteen? They were they exactly, sure were. And, and it wasn't very common for two teenagers to get married. I mean, that was very common. I mean, life life especially then was especially short. I mean, you know, so you know you had to go ahead and. And and get on and do your thing before you know your thing got done up. Right, yeah. and now and now as we talked about earlier tonight, we've got teenagers, or in in this case, twelve year old and a thirteen year old getting in trouble because they had sex with one another. Yeah, I mean that is clearly a parental matter, and it's you know the government always encroaches its authority, ostensibly in support of some acceptable, accepted societal need. Mm-hmm. And it just it just continually expands into every little crevice of life until you know it just becomes something. right as though it wasn't as though it wasn't damaging enough. And Rob, thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. Awesome that he's listening to Free Talk Live over the internet in his car. Well, it, it, it it's not the first time we've had calls from people's uh, cars that they were listening on some that, kind of device. That's either. true. It's not very it doesn't happen very often. No, very, but very it, rare. It's but going to get more and more common. It's true. Um, so. The government, of course, uh, as though it weren't bad enough, in the case of this 12-year-old and 13-year-old, that they'd had sex and got the girl pregnant, as though there weren't enough consequences from that, right? Mm-hmm. As though the parents wouldn't have been angry enough, the baby dealing with that situation, whether you get an abortion or have the kid at age 13, as though that wasn't enough punishment? We need to send him off to juvie as well? Please. Totally unnecessary. 800-259-9231. You take control of the airwaves. Steve in New York wants to talk about the war on drugs. What do you want to talk about? It's Free Talk Live. The show is Free Talk Live, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all of the features. They're completely free. Those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for access to their websites. We give them away. I'll uh, give away those features and more uh, at freetalklive.com. Though we do ask that you help support Free Talk Live by voting for the show. Uh, I was on another podcast today. A, a podcaster got in touch with me, a former radio guy doing his own show on on the Internet now. And I, uh, of course, agreed to be on the show. Yeah, you want to talk to me? Sure, I'll come on your show. And so we were talking about voting. And, Who's this? Uh, his name was James from KJAG Radio. Hmm. And... He asked about the how Free Talk Live manages month after month to get up there in the podcast rankings because I believe last time we looked we were number three in the world according to PodcastAlley.com and that's, I think we slipped down to number four yesterday. Oh my goodness! Thanks to well we're in the top ten. We are thanks to your votes at vote.freetalklive.com and I said well, it's just a matter of having uh, listeners who are of sort of an activist mindset. I think that's one of the reasons why our listeners are more likely to go over and actually vote for the show. Uh, Plus, of course, we make it easy by just making it pretty much one step. You go to vote.freetalklive.com. It takes you less than a minute. All you need is your email address, and you're good to go. It's a once a month sort of thing, and it makes a big difference for Free Talk Live because us being in the top ten like we are, or number four right now, it helps bring new people to Free Talk Live. And new people coming to Free Talk Live means more people discovering the message of freedom and liberty. So if that's important to you, please head over to vote.freetalklive.com. Those... 
that Potter kid is just hard to beat. Let me tell you. Oh, well, they're witches. You know, they've cast a spell on people. It's you know, it, the top three out of the top five shows are Potter oriented, and um, the other two are the ones you know we've we've been there uh, all along for the last eighteen months or whatever we've been doing this podcast thing, and um, it's it's pretty much the same ones over and over again. But don't these Potter people get tired of these Potter casts? Apparently not. Let's go to the phones, talk to Steve in New York. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Steve. How you doing? Great. What's on your mind? I, I just can't believe if you guys are getting beat out by Harry Potter. Well, what are we going to do about that? Well, Harry Potter is an international book and movie yeah, sensation. Have you voted yet, Steve? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Absolutely. So what's Here's up? I got the update. Uh, yeah, actually, I'm a podcast listener, um, so I've been doing some catching up, and uh you guys can help me out with his name, but uh, he had a guest on a while back uh, who represented Daryl Strawberry. Um, and the Daryl Roussan, I believe, is his name. He is uh, he's an attorney. Yes, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, and he uh, he was a former he's a recovering addict, right? That's correct. Uh, correctly. And uh, I just found it as, as I am as well. Um, actually, I I view myself as recovered because. Uh, I'm a productive member of society. What but, uh, uh, what was your addiction? My addiction, well, basically a dumping ground. I was a bored uh, country kid and uh, ended up escalating into uh, from marijuana into heroin. And uh, luckily, availability factor wasn't there for me, and uh, I just but it did take control of me that and cocaine, and and uh, I just uh, gave up and I put myself in involuntary um, inpatient program for a month and so you didn't get I, caught and you, know, you were not caught and then forced into no. it you decided on your own to, to check in yeah absolutely and uh the resources were there for me as well because i have actually uh <laughs> my aunt at the time was uh a conveniently uh, uh what do you call it a uh, health teacher okay in high school so uh so anyway but uh just uh from speaking ex- of experience i just noticed that he, when, when people get clean, they get on this cloud nine, uh, what they call, I think, they, if I remember correctly, and they just want to save the world. It seems like he just keeps going and going. Uh, and that I think they really, uh, one of the first things that they instill in you when, you when you try to get clean is the responsibility factor and taking responsibility for your own actions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just found it, Quite ironic that you know he was getting a guy, uh, you know Daryl Swarberry, out of a out of a uh, predicament that he shirked his responsibility and you know, went against the rules and all that. And, uh, I don't know. I just thought it was right. Well, this is the guy we had that, him on the show because you talk about being responsible for your own actions. This is the guy who was going around to convenience stores and taking their uh, whatever glass bowls that they were selling and exactly. smashing them. I mean, he wasn't even right. he didn't even understand property rights. So that's why we had him on the show. And if you want to listen to that archive, you can always go to uh, guests.freetalklive.com and uh, look for Daryl Roussan if you want to take a listen to it. But obviously you have. Now, uh, in regards to the war on drugs, Daryl thought that we needed more police enforcement. He thought we needed uh, more crackdowns. What is? Uh, what do you think about this whole ending the war on drugs? Would that have had an effect on uh, your addiction? Uh, you know what? I'm not sure. I mean, I think it uh, it probably would. I mean, I don't. I don't think it's a good thing. Absolutely not. 
In fact, I think it's a, a very wasteful thing. You're talking about the war um, on drugs. The war of yeah, absolutely. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it, uh, I'm a recent convert uh, to libertarianism. So okay. it was in the past couple of years anyway. And, well, you said you were addicted. To, touchy, touchy, you said you were addicted to heroin and cocaine. Now those are two fairly expensive drugs, right. as I understand it. How were you able to afford your habit? Well, actually, I had a job at the time. Uh, I always was able to hold a job, uh, but uh, it got to the point where, uh, you know, that was bringing home about $700 a week. I mean, even working overtime and uh, would just blow it, you know. And mm-hmm. after about a year of doing that and then ending up selling a lot of things, and, you know, the same old story, really. Uh, I just, you know, just hit a bottom, and that was it. And I just uh So at any up, time really, during... And, and let, but, I, but but the thing is that you let you so you, you when you put yourself and you voluntarily go and you put yourself in that predicament you got to go by their rules and uh, you know it's, it's kind of like a contract. <laughs> you I mean, mean obviously you mean the, you know, you mean the treatment crazy center things going on. You mean right, the treatment exactly. center's rules. Now, when right. you're talking about um, getting the drugs, p- uh, paying for the drugs, you were making enough money to where you could afford your habit. Did you ever ha- did you ever get to the point where you were out of cash? Did you ever consider doing anything violent or anything uh, as far as thieving was concerned to uh, to support your habit, or did you never get to that point? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was, you know, I did a little mischief here and there, but by and large, like, no, not really. Uh, but I, I do know a lot of people, and like I said, I was. I mean, it wasn't like a, I was a country boy, but, uh, you know, we'd make our trips into the city, basically. And uh, so I was in a couple places that, at one point, I just couldn't believe, even on what I was on, I couldn't believe I was there. Where you know, where and, was this? Uh, Western New York, which isn't, you know... <laughs> what, what, but what was it about the place? You don't have to tell us where exactly, but what was it about the place that was so surprising to you, exactly? Oh, it was just just horrible. I mean, there's the conditions that, uh, you know, basically, you all know, say that the war on drugs really puts everybody into. I mean, it just, it was, you walk in and it was, you know, there's no electricity in the place. And uh, basically walking through and you see, you know, a guy over in this corner doing his thing and a guy over in that corner doing their thing. And you go into the room and do your whatever, uh, you know, get your... Stuff. Anyway, I don't want to get into that. But. No, but I think it's interesting. I understand you don't want to get into it, but I think it's an interesting right. look into you know what this is like, uh, what retrieving this product is like for people, uh, the process that they have to go through, the process that they're more than willing to go through. You realized Absolutely. at that point that you were shocked that you were in such a place, but it did wasn't enough to turn you around and and you know make you leave. And of course, even if you had turned around and left at that point, those people probably would have been suspicious of you. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was, uh, you know, like, yeah, it was, it was bad. I mean, it was a, it was definitely, like, the last uh, two years, a uh, year and a half or so of my addiction, uh, I was, yeah, that kind of experience more and more. Um, so the further down you spiral, the further down you uh, you spiral it, in the addiction, absolutely. the more risks you're willing to take, the more risky situations you're willing to get into in order to get your hands on the drugs. Whereas maybe if you could have, uh, I mean, originally, how did, how, just out of curiosity, you said you started with marijuana. Now, of course, we've already talked about how marijuana isn't a gateway drug, but if it is, uh, the only factor is that it's in close proximity to heroin and cocaine. What made you take the step to uh, heroin and cocaine? Oh, it's, it's there. <laughs> it, was it was there. in front of me, basically. I mean, Where there, was it know, the first it, time? What's that? Where was it the first time? Was it a friend of yours uh, that, that oh, had it? At a party, yeah. 
Yeah, it was, you know, try this, and first, you know, started up, you know, snorting it, and then, you know, moved on to other things where, you know, needles that came involved, and it was... Oh, my goodness. Which I thought I'd never, ever, you know, I mean, like I said, country boy. Right. <laughs> well, how did that get here, you know? And then I'm, I'm looking at myself the next day, and, you know, when I'm kind of coming around, and it's just like, wow. Well, congratulations here, on uh, congratulations on having the courage to uh, to check in on your own without having to be ordered into treatment. And uh, right. we're glad you're okay today, and uh, we're glad you've beaten it. Stay healthy, man. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Mark, you just sort of absorbed all of that. Well, I what are you going to say? The guy's made it, and that congratulations to him. I, I don't know. Your show. You take control. 800-259-9231. Coming up, the Badnarik campaign failed. But his manager wants your cash. We'll tell you about it. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off hour number three of the Wednesday edition, and you can bring up whatever you want toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free. That again, freetalklive.com. Well, Mark, I got an email in, I believe it was last night, from Alan Hacker. Now, who's Alan Hacker? I had most people probably never heard of this guy before, but if you run within the libertarian circles, the libertarian activist circles, as I do, you may have heard of uh, Mr. Hacker. He was the campaign manager of Michael Badnarik. Now, I think more people know who Michael Badnarik is, at least uh, amongst libertarian circles. Even some outside of libertarian circles might have heard of Michael Badnarik. He was the libertarian presidential candidate in the year 2004. And... Uh, and because he was the libertarian presidential candidate, he got a lot of attention, uh, at least around libertarian circles. Uh, He's a brilliant man. He got a um, lot of radio I, interviews. I saw him speak. Uh, you know, I, I had to drive a couple hours to go see him, but uh, I saw him speak, and it was just, it was great. Right. I like him. He knows a lot about the Constitution. He's very well educated on that. Uh, knows a lot about government and and why government doesn't work, and and on and on. He's great. He was a great libertarian candidate. Now he went and ran for Texas. Uh, House. It wasn't. Uh, excuse me. It wasn't state house. It was U.S. House of Representatives in District 10 in Texas here in 2006. Mm-hmm. And in his 2006 campaign, he did absolutely miserably. Now he did better. I mean, as far as percentage of the vote, he did better than he did nationally in his uh, national campaign. But uh, you know that's to be expected. He actually did. Uh, what was it about 4.5 percent? Is I believe what yeah. he came in uh, with total. It was a real disappointment to libertarians everywhere. Well, I... now it wasn't a disappointment because he was our presidential candidate at one time, but it was a disappointment because they had over four hundred thousand dollars that they had raised for that particular race. They had some major, major dollars behind the race, mm-hmm. and he didn't do m- remarkably better than any of the other candidates, and then the paper candidates, then the ones that just put their name on the ballot and then sat back and watched the results come in. Those guys got 2 to 3%, yeah. and Badnara got 4.5%. Was the extra 1.5% worth the uh, over quarter million dollars that they spent? Almost a half million. Yeah. 
Uh, the answer, in my opinion, is definitely no. But Alan Hacker disagrees, and we're going to get to his email here in a moment. But first, let's talk to Jim in Tennessee. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Hello. Hey, how are you guys doing tonight? Hey, doing great, Jim. What's on your mind? Uh, well, I was listening to your Saturday show, and you guys were talking about uh, child pornography, I guess. Well, more specifically, we were talking about how a federal court case may redefine what child pornography is. Because as of right now, it tends to be actual sexual activity involving children. Now uh, n- now we're talking about possibly criminalizing people for taking pictures of clothed teenagers. Right, and you, and you guys were talking about, I mean, you guys like, were, I guess, uh, on the moral ambiguity of it, which I think is probably a good reason why you can't, can't legislate morality because everybody has different standards, which seems like a strong argument against child pornography. But I was thinking about it, and it occurred to me that there, I mean, there's nothing. It's it's gross, but there's nothing inherently criminal about producing or distributing child pornography. Um, it. You know what? I, what the criminal part is is when you're forcing kids to have sex on camera, which is. Uh, how a lot of this uh, product is produced. Uh, there are children that are essentially forced to uh, have sex with their stepfathers and fathers uh, while on camera. So really the issue, of course, is force, beyond the fact that most people just find it despicable. Right. I mean, it, it's despicable. And if you, I mean, if you force someone to have sex on camera, the, I mean, forcing them to have sex on camera is a, the case that are a problem. But the real crime is rape because it's a violation of their rights. That much is true. For instance, here's an example for you. I know somebody who, when she was uh, very young, she was 14, she had sex with another girl who was of also about the same age, 14 or 15, and they both videotaped the sexual encounter together. Now, what you have there, by law, is absolutely child pornography. I mean, by law. But was it a consensual act? Well, yeah, there wasn't an adult in the room. It wasn't like an adult said, here, take this camera and take this tape, and then go in that room over there and film whatever you guys do together. No, it was just these two young people doing what young people do, which is make mistakes. Because if they had been found out, if somebody had gotten their hands on that tape, we could have had uh, porn charges brought against them. And that wouldn't have helped them. Which is wrong. I mean, if if you're dealing with with a legal transaction between a minor and a legal adult, then... Three parties have to consent, the adult, the child, and the child's parents. And if you can get all three of them to agree that, okay, we're going to make this child porn, I mean, that's kind of gross. Well, yeah, it is gross. We're going to get a kid, parents to agree to make a child pornography, but if they all agree to it, I mean, honestly, if, if they agree to it and then you step in and say, wait, you can't make that, all of a sudden you're the one using force and you're the one violating their rights. It's essentially the same situation as the uh, the polygamists out in Utah. I mean, it's it's morally uh, it's, uh, to most people in America, their situation is morally completely unacceptable. The idea that these guys uh, marry fourteen year old girls or thirteen uh, year old, fifteen year old girls at the age of fifty, they're getting married to these girls, having sex with them, having babies with them, and then marrying their babies, uh, you know, 15 right. years down the line. I mean, this, to, to most Americans, is completely anathema to their way of life. But is it wrong? Because they're all agreeing to it. I mean, while you might be able to argue, well, yeah, they're brainwashing these girls, okay, maybe so, but nonetheless, they are being raised in a situation where this is normal for them. Who are we to say that this is something that we should be locking them into jail cells for? If indeed force isn't being used, 
I can't see what the problem is. If they want to, like, for instance, if the polygamists were found to have, uh, you know, been making videotapes of their, uh, for instance, the 50-year-old polygamist guy's married to a 14-year-old girl, he's married to her by their standards, by their legal standards. If they put that on tape, then you've got an extra charge on there. Either way, I say stay out of it. It's none of my business. I, I might find it disgusting, but they're not hurting me. You know, this is where you and I um, break ways here. I, right. I don't... I just don't support child porn, and I feel that distributing it and possessing it, and I mean real live child porn. I'm not You're talking, talking about children. Yeah, See, we're, we're using like, that term way too interchangeably here. Right. I don't I'm believe not talking that a 16-year-old girl is a child. 17-year-old girls that might be 18, or you yeah. know, some ambiguous photo like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that and she's an actual pornographic. And I'm not talking about uh, pictures of kids in bathtubs or even pictures of kids who might be experimenting with each other that they took. I'm talking about real live child porn that everybody knows is child porn. Mm-hmm. I think it should be illegal, and I think that people who um, are who possess it should be in big trouble. Jim, any other thoughts? Yeah, I'm. Well, I mean that that kind of brings it back to the point because we can go back and forth and argue on that all night, which is exactly the reason why laws should never be made on the basis of morality or social standards. The only basis for law is natural rights. And consensual contract. So Jim is essentially pointing out that while you may vehemently disagree, his morality dictates otherwise. And who's going to be in charge? Who's going to set the rules? Probably something uh, somebody that doesn't agree with either of you. I think that um, I think it's an interesting uh, intellectual point to debate, and I think that it makes um, it, it it's one of those points that relegates libertarians to the fringe. And I'm not with it. I'm not for it, and I don't like it. Any final thoughts? Jim? No. <laughs> Thanks for the call. We appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. You know, I just feel like um, I I can sympathize with Jim on this mm-hmm. because I don't want... Of course um, you can. You're to, putting the F in fringe. ...to pay for uh, keeping these people in jail. They, they may have done something despicable, and mm-hmm. in that case, I believe they should be ostracized. They should be outed. I mean, I think it'd be enough, for instance, if the news... The local TV news did a report that outed that, you know, somebody somehow found out that their next door neighbor was touching their daughter or whatever it is that they were doing. And then uh, the information come out uh, came out and uh, the news reports on it. This guy's career has been ruined. Mm, I don't think that's good enough. Um, really. I mean, what about this? I've got enough money to live on for the rest of my life. And I decide to have children. And I uh, give all the male children up for adoption, mm-hmm. and I keep all the female children as a harem. What about the guys in uh, Central Florida we talked about a few years ago that were found to have been having sex with their own family, an incest situation? Uh, they weren't bothering me, and until the news came out... Incest doesn't bother me if it's consensual and among what? siblings. Among oh, siblings. Among siblings. See, even you are a freak, Mark, compared what? to most people's standards. Why, Most people will be outraged that. by that. It's, Nobody's going to argue with that. I'm disgusted by it. Most people believe that incest should be illegal. No. And it is. More's on the way. Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the Packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free. And that does include archives, an entire year's worth of the show right there, front page of the website, for your downloading convenience. You just go and get them. 
They're free at freetalklive.com. And get registered now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, Attaining Economic and Personal Freedoms in America's Freest State. This three-day event, February 23rd through the 25th, will be held convention-style in historic Concord, with some of the program taking place in the State House. Register now at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That is freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. Just some final thoughts on this very disturbing topic, a topic that is bound to outrage uh, people just by bringing it up, talking about child pornography. Now, Mark, you said, uh, before you we went away to the break, mm-hmm. you said that you didn't want to um, make libertarians look like a bunch of crackpots mm-hmm. by... Um, by taking the side of not having laws against people producing consensual underage pornography. Right. Um, and I understand where you're coming from on that. Impressions are certainly important. We don't want to offend people, no doubt about it. But then you follow that up by saying that you believe incest should be legal between brothers and sisters? It's, you don't think you're going to offend people with that? It's consensual. I mean, it, what difference does it make if it's consensual when two 15-year-olds have sex? If two 15-year-olds have sex and they happen to be brother and sister, what can you do about that? Put them in jail? I mean, really, what's the legitimate, smart answer for that? Nobody's going to say that um, making it, putting them in jail makes any sense. I just want to understand what you believe. You also support the polygamists as well, correct? Right. I think you should be able to have as many wives or as many husbands as you What if the wife is 13? Um, I think that that's a problem. If you don't, uh, if if you happen to be, you know, it w- depending on where you live, I think that that's a problem. But I wouldn't make it illegal. I would not make having I a thirteen-year-old so wife illegal. So it should be illegal if you're having incest with your son or daughter. <laughs> yes. But yet it should be legal in your mind to get married to a girl or or da- or a girl or boy of the same age and have sex with them then. Um, I'm sorry, uh, a girl of the same age. What do you mean? Okay, for instance. You believe that incest should be legal if it's with a boy and a girl, a b- brother and sister. Um, yeah, frowned but, upon, but, but legal. But it should be legal, or excuse me, should be illegal if it's dad having sex with his son or daughter. Correct. Or mom having sex with her son or daughter. That yeah. should be illegal. <sighs> so that's bad in your book, uh-huh. but it's okay. And you're saying the other thing's bad. You just don't want to make it illegal. So we're just talking about the law here, not what you personally believe. I want right. to make it clear. Mark's not a sicko, weirdo, pervert. We're just talking about what should and should not uh, when the law should and should not get involved. So the law should get involved when daddy or mommy are having sex with their son or daughter, but the law shouldn't get involved when you've got a 50-year-old man who's marrying a 13-year-old um, and well, presumably comes, having sex with her? When it comes to 13-year-olds, your parents are going to have to sign off, right? I mean, okay. it's a, they're, they're um, wards of their parents, so the parents have to give their consent. And they all live in the polygamist community, so the parents give their it consent. Doesn't, it doesn't really matter to me where they live. They could live in the middle of New York City, okay. as far as I'm concerned, and they could be um, Presbyterian, white Presbyterians. Not likely, but okay. It doesn't seem likely, but if the parents say that their 13-year-old daughter can marry a 50-year-old man, I really don't have, and the 13-year-old daughter doesn't have any problem with mm-hmm. it, I think that everybody should spend just a little bit of time talking to a judge. But, you know, that's that's my opinion. Um, so the problem comes in when it's a family member is what you're saying. What do you mean? Yes. Well, the family member, basically, the parent has to make a decision for the child whether or not they can get married, correct? The child gets mm-hmm. to make a decision, too, but the parents have to make a decision because they're the ward. Okay. When the parent is... Um, the ward, and then is making is is then making the uh, sexual overtures towards the child. 
it screws up that whole system, and the law has to come into play in order to protect the child. Right, which, of course, the law is only going to come into play in that case if somehow the uh, the word happens to get out. I mean, there was a case a while back, Central Florida, but, the oh, no, incest no, no, no. has been going fathers on Fathers mess with daughters all the time, and what you're having a problem Usually with is... Usually stepfathers, I think, is what, how that works. It, it does. It do, you're right. Um, uh, but what you're, the problem that you're pointing out is when it's non-consensual. Now, um, or you know, when it's consensual, obviously no one's going to find out about it. But it often happens non-consensually. You know, um, stepfathers messing around with children mm-hmm. and you know, all kinds of different situations right. inside of families. So, um, so it's okay with you for two fourteen-year-olds to videotape themselves having sex. What are you going to do about that? Throw them in jail. Like no. they could throw these kids in jail, the 12 and 13 year old that had sex with one another. You know they didn't I don't agree it. with that. You know Thank that, goodness they didn't it tape it or they'd be in real trouble. That doesn't make any sense whatever. Okay, but it's bad if the, uh, there's an adult who gives them the camera. I would say that, uh, yeah, <laughs> if, it, if an adult gives them the camera, it's gotten coercive and uh, that's not a good thing. So it's co- it's not coercive if they're both agreeing to it, but if adult and a third party an adult agrees to it as Correct. well, then it is coercive. It, it's it's gotten coercive. And you don't think this is uh, going to marginalize you in the views of you know in the eyes of no, many people? No, I think that this is very normal. I think it's absolutely normal. I mean, I think Two that there's a brothers, vein... a brother and sister having sex with one another is what? normal. Do you think I do? You, you think I support that? I'm only saying, what are you <laughs> going to do when a 14 year old and a fo- brother and a 14 year old sister lock them up? Send a message. I don't think anybody thinks that, Ian. That's well, a crazy fringe idea. That because Books. because people don't want it to happen, and they think that writing a law means that it won't. And they're stupid. They haven't thought it all the way through. They think, I'm going to write this law, and that way kids won't have sex, you know, brothers and sisters won't have sex with each other when they're 14. I'm just, uh, what I'm pointing out here is that if you were to tune into Free Talk Live during the midst of this conversation and hear the things that even you are advocating, Mark, it would look bad. I mean, it would look bad. I don't think so. I disagree. I think that there's, it makes perfectly good sense. Everything I've said is logical and... (laughs) And and, and, what it, and would be agreed by the majority of Americans. And what I have said is logical, at as least well. in my age demographic. I I agree with you, Mark. I just wanted to uh, to flesh it out here. And what I say I is you logical agree with as me, well. And you go a hell of a lot farther. Well, what I say makes more sense because if you find out that your next door neighbor is having sex with uh, his or her daughter or son, and uh, that information comes out. And, for instance, you believe that that's a bad thing and that uh, these kids aren't consenting to it and uh, you want to put a stop to it. You should go over there and kidnap the kids yourself. Because, honestly, that's what you're calling the government for, right? You're just putting it in their hands. You're just calling the government and saying, hey, my neighbor's having incest. Please come and arrest them or take their kids away from them. Because eventually that's what's going to happen. Their kids are going to get taken away from them. And wouldn't it be better if the kids were in the hands of people who really cared as opposed to the government? I think we ought to have a private squad of people that uh, goes around kidnapping kids from uh, from abusive families like that. That's a great idea. Don't you think it would work? Don't you think it would be better for the kids rather than just kidnapping rather than having the government thugs come kidnap you know, the kids and then hand them over to some other perverts known as foster families? I've thought about it a great deal. What um, you, this isn't the first time you've posited right. such a thing, and I can't say that I think it's a terrible idea. I just think that it's really weird. Um, 
it, you're just replacing the kidnapper. That's all. You really are cares. just replacing the the kidnapper. And if the if the perverted family wants to go and challenge the kidnapping in a arbitration court, then they're going to have an interesting time, aren't they? Because they're going to have to prove that uh, you know they. Well, were... the kidnappers better have a lot of proof against the sure. kidnapped family, because what if um, a group of gypsies just goes around uh, kidnapping <laughs> kids and then accusing families of uh, of, of diddling them? Let's I mean, go to the phones. Uh, Stephen in Massachusetts, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Hey, Stephen, what's on your mind? Hey, guys. I was just calling about something that your uh, your last caller said when he talked about not forcing your morality on other people, particularly by using the law. We're going to come back and explore that a little bit more. Hang on, Stephen. We'll be back with you. 800-259-9231. Forcing morality onto others. And, of course, the ultimate question is, is whose morality becomes the enforced morality. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up whatever you want, toll free, 800-259-9231, the packet 8 toll free line, one 800 259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, including the wiki. Over 900 unique pages created by listeners just like you. It's like the listener editable version of our website. Wiki, W-I-K-I.freetalklive.com. It's just a couple of, a couple of weeks till Christmas, and you still haven't worn those bunny brown bunny slippers that Grandma sent you last year. Get rid of the guilt by sending her a gift from 1-800-Flowers.com, and you won't even break the bank. They offer flowers and gifts from 1999. Mention code FTL and you'll save enough to buy a matching pair of slippers for your wife. 1-800-Flowers.com, your florist of choice for the holidays and every day. That's 1-800-Flowers.com. Let's go back to Stephen in Massachusetts. You're back on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Hey, Stephen. So what about this morality thing? What do you have to say? I had to call in because this is something that I hear come up a lot. A lot of people like to make this claim that... Laws should not be used to enforce morality. And your last caller brought up the idea of natural rights. Okay. Should be the thing that laws protect. Well, that itself is a meta-ethical claim that, for instance, I don't agree with. So even at that point, I don't see on what basis he's claiming that he's not forcing his morality on me. Okay. It would seem to me if you have laws of any kind, someone would ultimately have to be forcing some other belief on someone. And it seems really intellectually lazy. Hmm. Well, to... now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. You mean governmental laws, because if you had private laws, then nobody would be forced. Uh, really, most for the most part, things would not be forced upon anyone. You would be choosing to enter certain private property, and thereby entering uh, said private property, you would be agreeing to abide by the private law on said property. If we're talking about contractual agreements, which is what I assume you're you're um, alluding to, mm-hmm. then of course. Okay. I mean, everyone agreed to uh, the said rules. I'm just saying that so it no is possible really to have. Forced. I'm just saying it is possible to have laws that are fair, um, and uh, that is private law. But you're you're talking about government law, correct? Right. Okay. So go on with your point. Well. Who, for instance, who would decide what these natural rights were? Indeed, excellent question. I, I, I don't mean, know. This 
life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness? I don't know. Uh, you know, I I understand where you're coming from, and and um, from a purely intellectual uh, point of view, sure, I agree with you. But we have at this point we have a government, and I do want it to protect um, things like, uh, you know, crimes that have victims, um, areas where people are hurt. Um, I think that that's something that you can get most people to agree on, uh, the vast majority of people to agree on, that when someone's been hurt, that the, a crime has occurred. I would, I would agree with you. Good. And But let's take, for instance, this specific um, case that brought up this whole argument to begin with, the child pornography. Which specific Who, case? Well, okay, maybe there wasn't a specific case, but... Okay. The general case, anyway, of the child pornography. First of all, yes. the major question I have to ask is what natural right was he talking about when he, for instance, said that it was okay for adults to have sex with their children? I'm not sure. I, I don't know if I understand your question. One more time? Hello? What essentially makes uh, having sex with your children right or wrong? Oh, well, you know what? I don't know. Just, uh, I guess, majority belief on that one. That's, uh, Mark, your answer? What makes it right or wrong? Um, the, the fact that what I said previously is that, uh, you know, children are your wards. You are, it's your sort of job to protect them. Um, and... You know, if you're if you're doing a, if you're taking advantage of that opportunity, then something on someone has to protect that person, that child who is unable to um, protect themselves, make those decisions, and that's the law. I don't know if you answered his question. He asked, "What is what makes it right or wrong?" Well, he's coming from the point of view that um, that you know, human beings are essentially large hairless monkeys that have uh, somehow created uh, combustion engines and taken over the world, and that there is no right and wrong, there's no God, there's no, um, there's no nothing. And how can, one how can I argue against what he has to say? Okay, you're right, and I'm going to set, a, set up a government full of guys with guns to keep people that think like you in line. Stephen, your response? Well, I think that's a little harsh, Mark. Come on, dude. <laughs> what am I going to do with you? I mean, essentially, you're saying nothing's right, nothing's wrong. I have an automatic weapon, and I'm loose on society. Very good, Stephen. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. This is what it's like dealing with the anarchist. This is what it's like dealing with you on an uh -huh. every night basis. Because um, you don't really, you really come from where he's coming from. Well, except I believe something. Sh I think it is a problem. I think there is something wrong with that. I think that oh, he does too. I think that he's you're violating the truth. I don't know if he does or not. <laughs> we didn't ask him that. <laughs> well, maybe we should have. I get the impression. I think that it's wrong because you're you're violating uh, essentially a trust that uh, pe people should have between their kids, mm -hmm. and uh, but you I don't, don't think, think it's appropriate. You don't think uh, it, to do that sort of thing. You think it's wrong, but you don't think they should go to prison. I think that they should be punished by society right. without using, uh, without pointing guns and forcing everybody to pay for their imprisonment, mm -hmm. uh, etc. I think that we should ostracize. I think that we should take the kids on a voluntary basis and put them in somebody else's hands who can handle them better. Anyway, uh, going back to the political land, Michael Badnarik's campaign, ultimately a total failure. $400,000 was raised uh, and spent. And uh, apparently, what happened was, Mark, 
They spent a little more than they had. Ugh. Alan Hacker, the campaign manager for Michael Badnarik's campaign, has written a very rambling, lengthy email, which we're not going to read all of here. <laughs> um, and he pats himself on the back in the email for how wonderful of a campaign manager he is and how he's done such a great job. I'll tell and you, he must be a great campaign manager to be able to spin, um, you know, attempt to spin this uh, as a good thing. Uh, essentially, we're, um, what, $65,000 in hock. Um, we the, aren't in hock for anything. No, the Badnarik campaign the, the Badnarik is. The Badnarik campaign is. And uh, Michael Badnarik, great man who I respect greatly, is personally responsible for that money. Right. According to federal law, campaign law, if the campaign's in debt, the candidate is responsible. And not only are they in for 65000 but Hacker wants to get paid, too, um, his $75,000 a year. So actually they're in for like over $200,000 or something like that. If he if he gets his way, now he put let me let me get to some of his email here so you can kind of understand where this is all coming from. Yeah, skipping down a little bit, he says we set out to run a legitimate campaign against the big boys, the way the big boys do it, and to the extent we were able, we did exactly that. We started with as good a chance to win as the Democrat had when he jumped in. Of course, the Democrat trounced them. The Democrat, I believe, uh, actually. No, the Democrat lost. The incumbent won with 55% of the vote. So the Democrat got a good percentage as well. And Michael Badnarik ended up with 4.5%. He says, for this campaign, at least, this part is over. And then he talks about how Michael's gone on to, uh, to work at a bumper sticker job or something like that. And he says, but it's not over. First, we can't close the committee until all debts are paid. That's a basket full of thousands right there. That Michael has to carry until it's paid. Then he points out how the federal government requires the candidate pay the debts off. So he's trying to pawn this off. The fact that he's a bad campaign manager and he incurred a bunch of debts for Michael Badnarik's campaign, he's trying to say, well, if you don't help out, then Michael's going to have to pay this off. And that's unfortunate, but apparently true. And, you know, it's almost a, um, isn't it like a, a hot, like a sort of a threat, blackmail, hostage-taking well, if you don't send money in, Michael Badnark right. goes to jail. You really don't want that. And I here's don't. why. I really don't. There's an unexpected benefit to the party yet to be realized from this campaign, and I won't be in a position to produce it until the committee is closed. Think of it as an extension of the educational side of our campaigns, educating ourselves. Well, what possible benefit to the party could this man have? What possible information could he be sitting on that could be so worth shelling out more cash to a campaign that couldn't keep its finances straight? I don't know, but it sounds like a good teaser. We'll explore it here in a moment at 800-259-9231. Maybe that, uh, they should read that book that you were talking about earlier here tonight, Mark. Uh, yeah. Financial Responsibility. More on the way. Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, and this is the Wednesday edition of the show, final segment of Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The AMP form is back online, and uh, that's a good thing, because it means that you can become a Free Talk Live amplifier by going to amp.freetalklive.com. As you know, the freetalklive.com website, all of the features there are free. Those other talk show hosts, those radio talk show hosts, want to charge you for access to their site. We give it all away, and then we just ask that, hey, if you like that, if you like the free website, you like this show, maybe you want to voluntarily support us for as little as three bucks a month. 
which is what our amplifiers are doing. They went to amp.freetalklive.com, learned about the program, which is very simple. They send in three bucks a month. We turn it around into promoting the show, to getting Free Talk Live on more radio stations, getting more Internet listeners on board, and thereby spreading the message of freedom and liberty around the world. So if that's valuable to you, head over to amp.freetalklive.com. You'll learn about the AMP program. You'll also learn about some of the perks you get, like access to classic archives, the amplifier-only phone lines, amplifier-only forum, and more. amp.freetalklive.com. Talking about the Badnarik campaign, Michael Badnarik, the 2004 Libertarian presidential candidate, also ran for U.S. House in Texas in 2006, so this year. And there was a lot of attention that was given to his campaign because, well, he was the presidential candidate in 2004, so he got a lot of, an, of attention. As a result of that, he got a lot of contributions. In fact, his campaign took in over $400,000 in contributions. What did they get? 4%. Eh, maybe 4.5%. But they didn't do remarkably better than the rest of the libertarian paper campaigns, the guys that just registered and said, okay, put me on the ballot, and that was it. That's all they did. Yeah, pretty much. So they bought a bunch of billboards and had an office and had a big campaign staff. And they, as the it, campaign... it seems like, I mean, I've, I've heard accusations that essentially what the campaign manager did was had a big office and a campaign staff. And, and had a billboard. Had a billboard. Yeah. Yeah. That's about what it sounded like to me, and that's why I didn't give any money to the campaign, because I, I saw some of the things that this campaign manager, Alan Hacker, wrote while the campaign was in action, and I was not impressed. And I thought, gosh, you know, you've got $300,000 or $400,000, and all you've done is bought a few billboards? Is yeah. this the best you can do with that money? I, I wasn't impressed with that, and now I'm really not impressed. Well, the, because the, it seemed to me that uh, Badnarik was the best chance that we had of getting uh, a libertarian in office. I say we. I'm not a member of the Libertarian Party, uh, but I really support Michael Badnarik. I just think he's great. But it looks like the – I don't know. I mean it doesn't seem like this campaign was that great, and it certainly – it looks really bad asking well, for money afterwards. Right. Ma Michael Badnarik may be a great guy, but he did not make a great decision in hiring Alan Hacker as his campaign manager. And uh, he because, sounds like he was really qualified because or sounded now really qualified because now after the fact, after the campaign is over, mm -hmm. he's sending out an email to all their email recipients, of which I am one, begging for cash. So so what do we do in this circumstance? I mean, what do, who uh, who do? Well, basically, libertarians are being held hostage. Michael Badnarik is held hostage. Do we do we give money? I'm not given anything. You made you made this bed. Now you get to live in it. You shouldn't have hired somebody that was going to get your campaign into debt. I mean, it's just a sensible fiscal policy. You don't spend beyond your means. You don't spend expecting to have that paycheck coming in next week, and when it doesn't come in, you don't come crying to mommy. Now, I think uh, we would both agree that Michael Badnarik is a, is a great economist, and I, I suspect he didn't have control over the checkbook. He had he control over who he hired. He did, and, and if, he, by the looks of it, he, he made was, a mistake. And he should have been paying attention, and if he found out that they were spending beyond their means, That's he should have said, forget about this. That's why you hire a campaign this. manager, though, well, so you feel, don't have I, to pay attention. I feel bad that he made a mistake, but I'm not bailing him out on this. Anyway, let me go back to uh, another reason to get angry at this Alan Hacker character. He says, you see, this is his email. At first he says, uh, well, if you pay off the debt, then I'll give you my report on what, what else we can learn from this campaign. <laughs> He's sort of holding back some sort of valuable information, right? right. Some information that's valued at $200,000, because that's what he wants from you. Mm. Anyway, he says, well... You well, see, I, for the past 20 plus years... I would years, like to see um, Badnarik get his 65000 um, right. and I would like to see If him, anything, that's it. That's right. all that should come out of this. But um, I don't really care much about uh, Hacker, Hacker getting paid. 
He says, you see, for the past 20 years, I've been a private business consultant, specializing in vision clarification with owners and executives. It's a weird specialty that depends on a peculiar talent, of which <laughs> I seem to have a remarkable share of. As a result of honing that talent in my practice, combined with 35 years Libertarian Party experience culminating in this campaign, I'm uniquely qualified to analyze the Libertarian Party's difficulties. I have the right attitude as well. Where others see impediments and problems, I see patterns and possibilities. God bless you. We've been accused of risking the LP's future with this campaign. The argument has been that by raising so much money and talking about winning, we've set everyone up for a huge disappointment appointment which will in turn stall everyone's fundraising and support for years to come oh i think that i think that uh, this is probably the nail in the coffin of the uh, libertarian movement oh uh, that's silly libertarian party pl- that's silly there have been plenty of badly run campaigns in the past and but the, the, this is the big guy but it doesn't mean anything it's the, them that's in debt not the libertarian party hmm. uh what we've actually done then he blab blabbers on about how wonderful he is and uh how it is he has this big plan all you have to do is pay off the campaign debts. And then he gets into detail and rambles for several paragraphs about how much the amount is. He talks about who they owe. They still owe all these campaign um, suppliers and vendors and uh, campaign staff. And he says that the minimum amount is $65,000. The maximum amount is $200,000. That's if he's to get paid his $5,000 a month that he had originally contracted for. So he makes it sound like he's willing to uh, just call it a day at 65000 but he really, really would like to get uh, his paycheck. Look, man, you can't run a campaign. Okay, I'm not a 35-year campaign veteran, but I do know a little something about spending and saving money. Mm-hmm. And I do know that uh, you, if you're getting a paycheck coming in every week at your job, and it's $500 a week, you don't go out and buy a $20,000 boat... Because you believe you're going to be able to pay for it over the next two years. And that's bad fiscal policy. Because if you lose your job two weeks later, then you're going to lose your butt on that boat. Yeah. You're and in you're going trouble. to be in major debt and major trouble. Because the next job you get, you might not only get you might only get two hundred and fifty dollars a week. And then what are you going to do? Interest payments are going to stack up, and you're going to be screwed. You're not going to have an email list of 100,000 people you can turn to, or 50,000 people, or however many it is, and beg for money. In this case, this guy does, and he's going to try his best to get cash out of the people on this email list. And I think it's despicable. And I think it's really sad that Michael Badnarik is going to have to pay uh, for these campaign debts if the uh, if the amount is not is not paid off. You know, that's that's But he should have known better. That's where I'm left in this whole thing is I'm left thinking, wow, I really feel bad for Michael Bednark. I want, you know, such good things for him. I think he's uh, you know, such a great celebrity in the uh libertarian movement and I want success for him and I don't I don't see it in this. So then uh towards the end he says uh PS again this whole letter just rambling about how great he is and all this information he's holding back that if he would if we would just pay off the campaign debts he'd release a report a report that would save the libertarian party the, as he the manifesto that finally will save us Right well he actually calls it a manifesto he says, once the bills are paid and I have the freedom of mind to compile everything, you've sponsored a final report and a libertarian manifesto for the future. An analysis and plan, if you want them. From a top consultant in his field, one who routinely doubles and triples his clients' operations within the first year or two. 
Gee, really? Would you, if you were hired for a business client, recommend that that business go way above their means and spend way more than they've got in reserves? I don't think that's very sensible. And finally, he says, P.S., it costs money to send out these updates. What? Why are you paying for an email service? I can send out updates all day long, and it won't cost me more than the time that it it takes me to type up the email. Anyway, he says, if you don't want to send us $10 by uh, July 1st, then I'm not. If you're not going to send us $10, then I'm not sending you any more email updates. So there, we're taking you off the list. <laughs> what a jerk. This guy is a so class you, act moron. You have, to, you have to give 10 bucks just to get the next email. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, good luck getting your cash in there, Alan. Let's go to the phones to uh, Brett in Iowa. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. I just wanted to start off real quick by saying the reason I love this show is because call in for the simple fact that you can call in and talk about anything. Um, I've been listening to Glenn Beck a lot lately, and it's an entertaining show. Glenn sure it is. Beck. He, he does call himself a libertarian, which really upsets me. Is he calling himself but, a libertarian what? I have now? never heard him say that. Hold on. He, I've heard libertarians rarely, call in and him saying, you people scare me. He rarely says it. It, it really kind of depends on the day. I have heard that word come out of his mouth and claim that he's a libertarian himself. But I tried to call in today, and it was the, I mean, the lady on, who actually picked up the phone was just, I, I said I wanted to talk about something, and she goes, no, we're not talking about that. Click, hang up. Yep, that's how it works in uh, regular talk radio, and I know you yep. wanted to talk about Jesus Camp, but we're out of time, my man, so call back Probably. tomorrow night, and we'll definitely get you and uh, give you a little more time. We appreciate the call. It's been Ian here with you. And Mark. We'll see you online between now and tomorrow night's show at freetalklive.com. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. 